It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson right here. Painter Sharpless right here as well. We are back in the same building once again like we were for the last episode for those of you in the inner circle. Painter, how are we today? Feeling it. A little bit later than usual. We've had we had some real life stuff come up today. Having to shuffle it around. So I appreciate you guys either listening here on, on Sunday night or, or Monday uh, a little bit later uh, than than we had, we had planned, but, you know. Stuff happens. We move on. We also kind of wanted to keep an eye on some things uh, that might have been going on in the wide world of recruiting. Uh, Auburn wrapped up their first Auburn football, I should say, and Auburn basketball. We'll get into that as well. Um, reading, uh, wrapping up their first uh, official visit weekend uh, since everything opened up at the start of June. Auburn had a handful of guys make their official visits. Um, sounds like uh, there's a few guys, Emory Floyd uh, being one of them. Uh, defensive back. Uh, there are others uh, who made who made uh, some visits. Uh, Alex McPherson, uh, number one kicker in the country, according to 247. Uh, if you want to talk about what could be the end of the Carlson dynasty at Auburn and, and, and picking up a guy in, in McPherson, whose older brother uh, not only played at Florida uh, but is now kicking in the NFL, that would be a pretty that would be a pretty good uh, pretty good spot to be in if you're Auburn. Um, yeah, and some others uh, making making visits. So no commitments. It's early uh, in the process. Uh, a lot of these guys who made official visits this weekend, since it was the first weekend, they've got other ones uh, lined up here. So, uh, but Auburn really rolling out the red carpet, and uh, this past week's kind of a whirlwind. It felt like every day you were reading or hearing something about a visit, a new guy on the board coming in, and they got these dudes from all over the place. Um, I mean, there was a. Cr- they had a they had an unofficial visit uh, crew a few days ago uh, from Washington State, and it's we, we talked about this in the in the midweek podcast. Maybe like it does seem like this vibe is different. It might be some of the effect of like Auburn hasn't been recruiting in a while, like in person recruiting. It is a new coach, so there's some of that in there. But like I think they sent a message in week one with the way with the amount of people they brought on campus and who they did because it was a it was a scattershot group of like all over the country auburn number 49 in the 24 7 sports composite three commitments so that's gonna have something to do with that um and yeah the interesting thing there is that of the three commitments two of them are local kids you got an auburn high and an opelika high kid and then you got holden garner who is uh who's from georgia um not too far away at that Look at Rutgers and Mississippi State. Now they Rutgers have, is doing work. Yeah, they, Rutgers they have, has twelve commitments, so that's helping. But also they've got five four stars. Right. That was the thing. It was like they brought Shiano back because it was it was like he could be the guy to unlock that recruiting form again. Jersey is not short of talent, and that area is not short of talent. It's just that why would anybody go to Rutgers? Well, Shiano with his I guess his NFL experience, the success he had his first run at Rutgers. Um, well, I think a lot of people wanted to get on board with him on that. So yeah, good for good for Rutgers. But I mean, it's like Auburn's got, I mean, the, plenty of time. We we talk about we talked about this when Auburn was pulling top ten classes, and people would freak out about maybe a certain position or a certain group, um, you know, in September or October. And it's like, all right, well, it only really matters is you know when it's when the dust settles in February. And I think nowadays it's pushing up more to December. I think guys are going to be wanting to commit earlier and earlier. But I mean. There's also a chance that, you know, Auburn just doesn't sign a ton of guys in this class because they're leaving room for transfers. I mean, the latest one, Jordan Ingram, who I've been told it's Jordan. We said Jordan. Somebody, I think it was Walt on Twitter, a uh, friend of the newsletter, said uh, uh, we should have just called him Jordan, <laughs> like like the stadium <laughs> until then. But I, I, I've been corrected in saying it, it and have heard it's Jordan. Um, can't wait to be wrong on that one as well. Uh, Mississippi State at number nine, Kentucky at number eleven. Now State has thirteen commitments to this point. How many? So how many? How many four stars does State have? They have two four stars and eleven yeah, three stars. See, I mean, that's so that's that a class that'll number is going to shift by the end. Yeah, Kentucky though. How about that? They got four five. Uh, excuse me, four four stars. Yeah. So look at that. We've got a couple of interesting teams hanging that, around I mean, the top they're fifteen. They're an interesting group of group of players. For sure. I mean, they they have gotten a lot of stability. I think Stoops is now one of the longest tenure coaches in the SEC, you know, outside of outside of Saban. Um, yeah, and I mean that area they've they've done a really good job of going into Ohio and, and picking off guys. 
I have no idea how good Auburn's class will be, but for context right now, Clemson's sitting at number 27. It's like, okay, yeah. well, that's going to get better. Alabama's sitting at number 16. It's like, well, they'll be a top It's three. always funny whenever you see Alabama not in the top five at any moment. Like It could be like the day after signing day, and we're looking at two classes ahead. <laughs> and it's like, well, Bam, Bama's, Bama's a little down. It's like, and then they then they turn it on like they always do. Um, Arkansas, good for them. Yeah, Arkansas is going to be an interesting case as well. I mean, I was the charismatic coach, yeah. Sam Pittman. I, you know, I thought Pittman, I thought Pittman was a kind of an odd hire, but like if he ends up getting recruit, like if he ends up recruiting well, they they upgrade in recruiting. They seem to know what they're doing on both sides of the ball. They've got a they've got a pretty good plan in place, and he can be kind of that CEO motivational face and they can recruit i mean it's arkansas but you know if arkansas get into the neighborhood where they can go to a bowl game every year and then you know climb up where they're winning eight or nine games a year that is that's perfect for for what arkansas needs to be crazy fans shane beamer outdoing the auburn tigers right now (laughs) well they brought him in for his recruiting jobs obviously um, I don't know how that's going to work out. Long Very time. excited to see how that goes because I think I have an idea. I think, Van, I think Vanderbilt's out of uh, Auburn right now. Clark they Lee, Clark Lee at, came in and just started snagging dudes. They have seven commitments. There you go. All of them three stars, putting them at number twenty-six. Um, but ahead yeah, of the, other thing, the other thing I thought was interesting is Auburn had some unofficial visits this week. They're already like projecting ahead, right? There's some twenty twenty-three kids that are already coming on board, and are you know already coming to to visit and Auburn's going to try to be you know factors in them. And we talked about this not too long ago. You know, I I I encourage any Auburn fan who hasn't checked it out that look at the 2023 class in the state of Alabama. There's currently five five stars in it, and that's early. Um, Alabama usually has two, maybe three five stars in a class, so this is a bigger class uh, than usual. Um, but I mean. They, uh, they they've got they've got a they've got a handful of dudes. I mean, uh, one of the guys who came in on an unofficial visit um, this past weekend, or I'm sorry, this past week, I guess it would have been early, you know, late last week, um, was James Smith uh, from Carver uh, in Montgomery, which Auburn's got good ties there. We talked about getting Marcus Harris, um, another dude, Madhouse training that that group over there, very close knit. It seems like those guys have been training. They're very um, you know they they want to get these guys noticed. They're wanting them to get recruited. James Smith right now is the number six player in America. Um, defensive lineman, six three two seventy, making an unofficial visit to Auburn, and it sounds like Auburn's going to be in the hunt for him. Now he's a twenty twenty three kid. It's going to be a long time before we we hear where he ends up. But I mean, in this class alone, if you look at it, uh, Thompson's got two. Listen to this. Thompson has two of the top ten players in America in the class of 2023 right now. Uh, defensive lineman Peter Woods, who's the number two player in the country, another defensive lineman. And then Tony Mitchell, number one corner in America, uh, is there as well. Um, so, I mean, there's going to be a lot of talent. Jamie Smith is is at Carver. Um, there's also Jaleel Hurley, uh, who is a five-star from Florence. Um, there are, There's a ton of high four-stars from Alabama. Um, including one of my favorite. Uh, uh, I wonder how Auburn's going to stay in recruiting for him because I always like to to bring this up. Um, number 66 player in the country right now in the class of 2023, Keldrick Falk. Uh, Auburn is early on in recruiting him. He plays, he's from Highland Home, Alabama. Do you know where Highland Home is, Painter? No. Okay, so Highland Home is about, it's south of Montgomery. It's around Luverne. It's in that kind of. I do know where Luverne is. Uh, Highland Home is my, is one of my, uh, is one of my favorite high schools in the state because they have one of the coolest nicknames in the state. They're the Flying Squadron. And there is a, there is a, like a statue kind of thing of a jet plane that hangs over their stadium, which I think, I think is pretty tight. Um, Central's got several really good players, as always, uh, in, in these classes. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where Auburn goes in 2022. I think they're going to want to establish some, you know, bridges in certain areas, and I think some of these transfers are going to help with that. You go into Mobile and get Jordan Ingram. You go and get Marcus Harris out of Montgomery. Even though they're transfers, I mean, these guys, you know, kind of run run in the same circles um, and teammates and, and friends and relatives and stuff like that. You're trying to build up that reputation with them. Meanwhile, um, you know, you take what you can get in 2022, I think, establish yourself, um, know that you might have a lower lower number, and then 2023 hit it really hard because 
in-state talent in Alabama. I mean, this is this is a really really special class. It looks like in twenty twenty-three. Trying to speak this into existence because yeah. usually my predictions are off base. Yeah. I got to tell you, mm-hmm. a little bit nervous about that class full of Alabama in-state talent because yeah. my first reaction is the hog at Alabama. Yeah, or if they don't, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now you could make the argument, right, that maybe there will be a desire to jump on Harson because it will still be somewhat of a new, fresh thing, right? But I have to say, my gut tells me. A lot of those really talented players are going to wind up, understandably, playing for Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a uh, that's a fair assumption to make. They're the big they're the big dog in town. I think that's the thing for Auburn is that they've got to go out and establish themselves. This is what Auburn football looks like. This is what Auburn football is going to be moving forward. And you know, going ahead and getting out there into these schools, into these places, and and doing the groundwork that you know maybe. This because you have to recruit elite players. You have to recruit them several years in advance. Uh, we know that's the case in basketball, and it's definitely the case in football as well. Um, you know, it, it might be a little bit too late to the game to make the to get the fully you know necessary groundwork in there um, for all the kids that you want because of how weird it is. I mean, you've got to go not half the cycle but what about it a two-thirds i mean i'm sorry a third of the the cycle year i guess without being able to recruit in person for a new staff that's a, that's difficult that's a challenge um so i think that's the thing is that you go ahead and cement it so that in 2023 you have that full cycle and i mean they're going ahead and laying the groundwork they're bringing in these 2023 kids on unofficial visits um uh, because they want to get out in front of them there will be a junior day they will they will have stuff like that people will come to camp and and all that good stuff um, I wanted to mention it, you know, very local, hyper-local. A lot of Alabama kids are talking about some Georgia kids as well. The visit list this weekend, this is from uh, 247, by the way. Um, those guys over there, uh, Keith Niebuhr, Jason Caldwell, uh, Nathan King also uh, getting involved over there. Guys are at Rivals, Jeffrey Lee. Um, I saw Christian Clemente getting, getting in it as well. Um, you know, really – a lot of recruiting stuff out there from both of those outlets this past week. And so they, uh, I, I think I wrote it, I think I wrote it in my story last week. I think Auburn fans are really spoiled in the fact that they have a lot of people really uh, doing good work covering recruiting. But this is a list uh, from, from the database at 247, which is what we usually lean on because of the, of the composite list. Um, six official visitors this weekend uh, for Auburn's past weekend for Auburn. Alex McPherson, who we mentioned, he's from Fort Payne, uh, the kicker. Here are the rest of them. Uh, Emery Floyd, the safety I mentioned earlier, he's from Powder Springs, Georgia. They have Jacob Hood, who is gigantic, 6'8", 342. He's from Nashville. Shout out to all of our Nashville friends. You know, three-star recruiting him. Uh, um, I think Auburn uh, in a good spot also from what I I saw this weekend for uh, Maxi Baldwin. Uh, Oh, man, I'm I'm Baldwin. Baldwin? Is he from Louisiana? Uh, Very Louisiana. He's from Lafayette. Perfect. Um, great name there. Darius Clemens, who we mentioned uh, in the previous podcast from uh, from Portland, uh, from the from from the autonomous zone. As <laughs> that, that one got a bigger hit than I thought it was going to. So good good for you. You got the you got the win. Every uh, now and again, I nail it. Uh, and then another one uh, from St. Francis Prep School in Fresh Meadows, New York. Caleb Artis uh, also visiting this weekend. So you've got New York, Oregon. And then you got so you've got national, you've got regional, and the fact that you got Georgia, Tennessee, you kind of go a little bit out, uh, out there uh, for uh, Louisiana kid, and then you got a really local kid who grew up an Auburn fan, and, and Alex McPherson. So it, it seems like it's kind of like an every level kind of thing in recruiting. We're not too far removed from, um, and I, and I want to make sure I get it right because I remember it being so interesting when it happened. Uh, let me. Let me pull. Yeah, 2018. We're not so far removed from the 2018 class at Auburn, where every one of their players was from either Alabama, Georgia, or Florida. All the guys they signed. That was the Joey Gatewood class. Coincidentally, it's the class where most of the guys aren't here anymore. That's uh, Gatewood, Hill, Miller, Joiner. All didn't stick. Um, Smoke, Seth. You know, you got some good talent there. Smoke, Seth, Zacoby, Flash, um, those guys. But all of that was Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. We're seeing Auburn going out and trying to make an impact and, and go in not only a little bit extended out when you go into Louisiana and they've gotten Louisiana kids. Eric Reed was one recently. Um, but I mean, they're going to the West coast. Like we said, they have never gotten a kid from Oregon and it's, it's interesting. There's been a lot of talk this past week about 
um, a different vibe, a different uh, way of going about things in recruiting, um, which I know Auburn fans are really excited about. I think the proof is right here in the in the guys they're bringing on campus. I wonder how much of that is also simply because Auburn fans are ready for the new and they want a difference to be distinguished and very distinct from Gus Malzahn. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you get rid of a coach or you go different ways, there tends to be, I think, some hard feelings. And I think, you know, at the end, the recruiting for Auburn after being good for a number of years did fall off. And especially even in the classes that were good the last few years, they missed at an important position badly. And so I, I'm curious to know, like, one, I think there's just always sort of a sense of renewal when you get a new, like, staff in. And, right. of course, they're going to do things differently. Yep. But also I think people are, like, hoping to see something different from the previous staff because they want there to be. They want there to be uh, – and I, I, I'm curious to know what those things are. Like, are they? Is the sales pitch any different? Mm-hmm. What is it that is so different? It, what is it that this staff is doing? It doesn't sound like the sales pitch is too different. But like at the same time, I know Auburn fans want there to be some kind of separation in the way this staff presents itself from the last staff. Yeah, I mean, Brian Harson talked. You know, the last time we spoke with him before the ambush event at Auburn, um, he talked pretty extensively about how. The importance of getting kids on campus, taking them to Jordan Hare, getting that experience, getting that vibe, because he said that, like, I've gotten to experience in the last few months. I know that's what makes Auburn different. Right. Like, the things that were strengths for Auburn as a selling point for the last staff will still mostly exist for this staff. I think that anything that will change in terms of pitching pitches is going to be the style and the brand of football you put that uh, put out there on the field. Is that's where I think you're going to see the biggest differences, probably. And then, honestly, I think the biggest differences, period, in, in, in recruiting is going to be operational. And, I mean, yeah, it's going to be purely operational, I think, when in terms of, like, how they run visits, how they coordinate things, um, you know, how they how they orchestrated their entire recruiting staff, how they set all that up, um, the fact that they are going after kids from the West Coast and, and New York State and, and, and stuff like to that. To me, that seems to be the most clear thing I can put my finger on right, right. now is that instead of recruiting – in a hyper-focused way in the Southeast, which has a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Right now, Auburn, as you already mentioned, has gone very national while keeping its focus on this area as well, which I'm curious to see in the coming months what's also different, if anything. So it really interesting also, you know, in recruiting, things opening back up. We saw a handful of guys, um, former players, come back. Uh, there was a shot um, – that was tweeted last week of Zach Etheridge with Sammy Coates, um, you know, on a visit here. Uh, I think Deshaun Davis has been by rather recently. It seems like um, the the extension to some of these guys of the Gus era, you know, whether he was the coordinator or the or the head coach. Uh, I think that's also very interesting because I mean Brian Harson and a lot of these guys on the on the staff are pure outsiders. Um, you know, Mike Bobo has. A connection to Auburn has some, you know, has some experience with Auburn from growing up in in this area and, and coaching at Georgia. Um, Cornelius Williams is from Alabama, Zach, but like really, it's Zach Etheridge and, and Cadillac are the ones that you know you tried to have Chelsea Rocker on board, and Rocker ended up going back in the NFL. Um, so I think that's that's a, another thing that's going to be interesting to see how much of the buy in that you get from the uh, from from you know. Former players, but especially the more recent former players. And I think, you know, social media is one thing, um, but like that outward uh, display, I think, of embracing those guys is really interesting. I think they've been, uh, when they made the announcement, the official announcement uh, over the weekend that Jared Hare was going to go full capacity, um, you know, no restrictions. It looks like on tailgating this year, which we thought we, we saw that was coming. Um, I think carry on tweeted something about it and like the football staff was like hyping that up as well guys who didn't coach carry on guys who weren't around around for carry on but i think they're also kind of wanting to take advantage of that and kind of lean into that as well and it can only help you yeah if they're in touch at all with the fan base they'll know how popular he is and and, in some of these other guys like i mean i don't think everybody's talking about sammy coats every day like they are about carry on but even still seeing sammy back i think uh junior rose green was on campus Sunday. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a coach now. He, and, and, uh, there's, um, 
you know, he was he was taking guys on visits this week, swung back through Auburn. I mean, there's a video he posted of him standing Jordan Hare again, which was cool. Brian Harson always crushing the PowerPoint with the recruits. Yeah, always, always. We've mentioned that in the past. That is his, that is his thing. That that, that is his that that is his pro move. Uh, you know, always got to have a good go to. I think. Do you think he does it to show off the biceps? Hmm. <laughs> I think of it as something that you have to do with your hands because you don't just want your hands to be like flaccid to the side. (laughs) But I do think that it also probably gives him some distinction. You sent me a picture recently of him and I guess the lighting really threw me off because the vibe I took from that was like, I think it was probably a post game and it looked like he had just come off of like a bender, (laughs) but you like you got a different vibe from that photo. Yeah. Or maybe it was in your mailbag. I can't remember. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I think it might have been the one to put in the mailbag. Although I think probably, in a way, coaches are coming off a bender after a game. They've worked all week. They've had, I'm sure, a long day. Stressful, right? You're on the sidelines, and suddenly you can unwind or not. I mean, you got to go talk to media members. Yeah. And after a loss, it's a not always fun. A lot of pictures fun. I see of him, it's like I still see just that intensity like he's he's all business man like and that's the vibe i've gotten from pretty much every time i've been around him and i'd see him it's just that all business kind of look and so i'm not saying it's intimidating i'm just saying like he's he looks like a very serious guy and i think i also think he does the point though you know he's smiling he's like you gotta show you gotta you gotta show the guns you gotta you work hard for him i wonder does he work out with the team does he work out on his own time i wonder what he's an in shape guy he's a very in shape guy good for him very in shape guy unlike us We are not we are not in shape guys. Well you you're more you're you more so than me. Oh but. let's not give me credit. Let's not we, we can talk about Harson and give him respect. Also Alan Green. Uh yes. back on him. You know? I mean it's the thing is these guys are these like Green and Harson former college athletes and it's like Yeah, you got a good question in the mailbag about this, about the beat playing basketball against oh, God. the staff and, yeah. and uh, I had to tend to agree with you even if None of those guys played basketball at a competitive level, although many of them probably played in high school. They were- I have heard I have heard stories of there being a pickup basketball game with like members of the basketball staff that like some of the football staffers and some people around the program get in on. Uh, I don't know if Alan Green participates in it. I like to think about Bruce crossing somebody up. I don't know if Bruce is getting out there. I also don't think that's something he does. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know. We're we're talking about Brian Harson though, and I think that's a good segue for one of the main things I wanted to talk about today. Um, I have over here something I picked up over the weekend, uh, which is the twenty twenty one Athlon College Football Preview. This is the national one. You can also get the SEC ones. I read through the SEC one the other day while I was in the establishment that I purchased this from. Um, but I got the national one because, like, I always like to keep an eye on, like, you know, Penn State, Akron, some of these some of these schools that Auburn's going to be running into this year. Just kind of get Georgia State, trying to get a little bit of a read on there. Uh, one of my favorite things about Athlon that they do with this is, number one, they get a bunch of writers to contribute to it. Uh, there's a lot of people, uh, if you look at, like, the, the table of contents, you look at uh, who, who contribute. It's a, it's a pretty good mix of people. Uh, and and, uh, and both uh, uh, both you know people that I know, people that I'm familiar with, friends with, and I like um, the God Man, huh? The God Man, the God Man. So that's why I wanted to talk about that. Stephen Godfrey, one of the things Godfrey does in here, and he he has a story. If you pick up the SEC one, uh, Auburn fans, um, I think it's a it's a really interesting uh, story. He wrote kind of the the magazine profile on the Brian Harson hire for the SEC preview. Uh, it's a pretty good little read. Um, uh, I say little, not as uh, like demeaning it. No, it's it's just it's two pages. Like you know, there's there's only so much space you get in, in, in a magazine. Um, but one of the things Godfrey does, and they were talking about this on Split Zone uh, the other day, is um, one of the things Godfrey does is for these previews, he talks to coaches throughout the country and kind of gets them to talk about other teams anonymously. Uh, and kind of where what their thoughts are on it, and uh, I think the SEC one has a lot more of these uh, for each team. The national one for most of the Power Five programs, you get about you know two, three, four quotes from it. I wanted to read through the ones that are people, uh, you know, anonymous coaches from the SEC, what they think about Auburn, um, and these guys could be head coaches, these could be assistants. 
Um, just kind of what the outside is viewing Auburn right now, especially from guys who know what they're talking about. Um, that's one of the things that I try to do, tr- we try to lean on here on the show um, and, and and in the newsletters is that you know, we only we can hear and see things and 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 you know get numbers and stuff like that. But like you know, it's not about what I think uh, more than like the, the guys who get paid money to do this you know, and what they say. I'm not saying coaches are infallible. But what they say in their insights, I think, have a whole lot more value than you know, two guys in their twenties just chatting on here. So I wanted to kind of read through some of these, kind of get, kind of discuss what what it is, because I think there's some really interesting stuff here um, for uh, for this uh, for for this uh, preview. Like I said, Athlon, they're pretty much everywhere. Um, most places like drugstores, um, bookstores, all have them. So check it out, buy it. Um, I really enjoyed my purchase. I will shout shout it out because I always like reading the reading the stuff that Godfrey puts in there as well. All right, here it is. Uh, this is scouting the Tigers opposing opposing coaches size up Auburn. All right, here's the first quote. It looks like there's three of them in here, so we'll kind of take them one by one. Uh, first one says, "Quote: So far, we hear that it is a total culture change. Brian Harson is a grinder, detail oriented. First year stuff where he thinks everything should change." Wants to kill off any of that image that Gus Malzahn's team had and make it about running the ball and blue collar and all that. But does he have a clue about recruiting? That's the single biggest question right now in the league. The real reason Gus is out isn't because Auburn fell behind Alabama. It's because they fell behind Clemson and Georgia and Florida. And is a guy from Boise going to fix that? That's the first quote. Um, really interesting because we have heard a lot about the, the culture change. We have seen some of the effects of the culture change. That is the word around around college football is that they are Brian Harson is trying to make this team in his own image um that I don't think it's necessarily that the Gus Malzahn regime was bad you know and I guess the results fans have different opinions on it but I think the big thing there is is that it says in there blue collar running the ball hard nose there's another quote here in a second that's going to hit one of the the big shining keywords uh, that we've heard a little bit about this but I think this is the, you know, it's interesting that that coach, you know, when you when you get it in context, it's like they're wanting to do all this stuff. They're wanting to change the image. They want to make a blue collar and all that. And it's like, basically, that's good, but what are you going to do about recruiting? And really interesting, also coming off of this first week that we've had, that, that we've had where recruiting has kind of been a bigger deal now, um, that's where I think a lot of people have question marks, and, and I think Auburn, I think Auburn fans definitely have as big a question marks as anybody else of it. But it's interesting to hear that perspective of this culture change because we could see some of it already. Um, but you know, people on the inside say it's it's a lot different than what what what, what everybody was used to under Gus. There's no use in star chasing, but it, right now I am curious about some of their targets they've had because it's not been a ton of high-profile recruits to this point. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you can correct me on some of that, but some of the visits they had recently were three and four stars, and, you know, four stars. You want fours. Four stars you definitely are want fours. going to, you know, be the majority of Auburn's recruiting class, or at least I would hope so, because they're not going to pull in the five stars that Alabama and Georgia do. But to this point, I almost feel like they're slow playing the recruiting, like they're trying to figure out what it is that they want in this first year, and – I, like I'm just kind of curious about where this ends up for Auburn. I'm having a hard time right now, and it's early, but I'm having a hard time seeing this class finish in the top ten, which is something we got accustomed to in the Malzahn era. Yeah, top. I mean, I think I think every one of his classes finished in the top 12, 12, 12 or thirteen. Yeah, I think and it's that seems like, hard. It seems to hard. to imagine happening. But like I said, year. like I said earlier, they they there's a third of this year that you weren't able to do in-person recruiting. I think that matters a lot as well. Um, yeah, my thing here is is that, you know, and we had that question in the mailbag a few weeks ago, like, how close are they to dropping out of the blue chip ratio? That's what you ultimately want to be in. And and if Auburn is continuing to pull in 50% or more blue chips, four or five-star guys and three-star guys, they'll be fine, right? Because Auburn could go on a heater in recruiting. Brian Harson could be the big ticket everyone's been wanting in recruiting. Auburn could be far and away better in recruiting under him than they were under Gus Malzahn, and guess what? They're not catching Alabama and Georgia. They're not catching Clemson most years either. Um, just because of that, I mean, that's how far ahead they are of it. So I think it's one of those things where Auburn's got to bring in talent. On a macro level, stars definitely matter. 
my thing is 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 this team going to be is this program is this recruiting emphasis going to be one of those things where they get these four and five star guys but they may get these threes but the more important thing is can they get threes to fit can they get threes that feel like can be developed because we've seen threes Alabama really- and Clemson when they take three stars I think two things happen one they've you know clearly identified Saban has and, and Sweeney are excellent at finding the fits. And Isaiah all, Simmons, famously a three-star for Clemson. And also I think it matters that the majority of those classes are loaded with four- and five-stars, so the competition makes yeah. those three-stars that they know fit their system really well. I mean, well. you can get three-stars like Roger McCreary, right? I think everybody would take Roger McCreary right now, no matter what, how many stars were, right, were beside his name coming out of high school. If you knew that was what you were going to end up with, that's the thing I'm, I'm interesting. I, I've... I've said I've said this in the past, and I don't know if I've said it on the podcast where where I'm interested in this. I think one of the real questions about this is Gus Malzahn, the Gus Malzahn era, what Auburn was doing with eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve ranked recruiting classes. Can Brian Harson do the same or better? I think better. Well, you definitely want to do better, but can you do better, especially early on, with top fifteen, top twenty classes? Ones that still keep them in the in, in the blue chip ratio, one and and you're building up to it, right? We've said it. Twenty twenty two is not going to be a huge one, we don't think for Auburn. But can twenty twenty three be the difference maker? Can you start you know spinning it ahead, right? I think anybody wanting Auburn to immediately get into the top ten in their recruiting class this year, it's not impossible, and I think it's going to be very very hard to do. Of the recruits, for instance, that Keith Niebuhr listed, Clemens is the only four star. Yes, but it's also week one. So right. Like one of the right. It's a small sample size, so I'm not hitting the panic button. But no, not at all. I'm curious to see what this class looks like because I'm having a hard time well, believing that this year will mimic the majority of years we saw. Well, let's under go the ahead Malzahn and look ahead. Classes. Let's go ahead and look ahead. Next week, according to the list of 247, June 11th, the weekend of June 11th, they've got five guys lined up. Four of them are four stars. So a little bit more in your ballpark, right? Uh, I'm sorry, three. I, I, I can't read. Um, they've got a really high three star. That's that's where I was. I was my eyes went to it. Um, they got Amarian Hampton from North Carolina. Demar Demario Tolan from Florida, a linebacker there. Holden Garner's coming in for a visit. You know he's he's already committed. You got a high three star, Michael Riley Ducker and Kane Pope. And there could be more guys coming in. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting. They've got some fours. They got some fours lined up down the line as well. But yeah, it is more. It's more threes. It's more high threes at this point. And I wonder if that's kind of setting the tone, setting the table, getting the guys you can get now, and then maybe the bigger name guys are going down there. I, I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know target wise, Auburn's got some four stars out there. They're going. They've got some five stars. They're going to be still chasing. But uh, I think this year is going to be establishing more of here's who Auburn is on the recruiting trail. And it's like the. It's like the thing we've gone to, and it's what I wrote after Auburn hired Harsa. I've mentioned it a few times uh, already this offseason. But, like, your goal is hoping that this turns into, like, what you what, what Florida got in, in Urban Meyer. We gave you SEC resources. We gave you an SEC talent pool, and you turned it into elite recruiting classes. Your style, your program, your attention to detail, your way of going about things in the Mountain West, Brian Harson. let's see what you can do in the SEC. So, it's interesting there, and I think it's I think it's also an interesting thing that there's other teams in the state. There are other coaches that are looking at it and they're like, yeah, he's a really good football coach. He's got a really good system, a really good plan, and a lot of that makes sense, but recruiting. And I think that was the big question mark everybody had when the hire was made, and that you're not going to know the answer to that for two, three, four years. Well, maybe not four, but maybe two or three years, you won't know the full scope of the answers there. So I think that's that, that's a it's interesting to get that perspective from someone else. All right, here's your second quote. Second quote is, and this is from an opposing coach um, in the SEC. Quote, they're going to try and put a physical culture in. One-on-ones, wide receivers against DBs in practice. Get mean, that kind of uh, stuff. This was an outside zone run team that's going to throw everything into the inside run game. Harson sold them on being a blue-collar team, and here comes the operative three words here. Being Pat Die." That was the thing that I think a lot of people, like the people who got sold on the Harson hire, the fans that got sold on the Harson hire, is that, you know, this is, and I've heard this from fans, you know, who've kind of been around a little bit older, you know, of course, you know, 
ones older than us, that they say they see this culture change and they're hearing the talk of this culture change and they haven't felt like there's been one quite like that since Pat died. Because Pat died came in and changed everything for Auburn football. There was a uh, I was on a radio hit in North Alabama this week and they were doing a question where it was like, if you took away like one of these two players, if one of them could have never played for Auburn, all of their accomplishments are just wiped off. Would it be Bo Jackson or Cam Newton? Which one? And I said Cam, not only because it was just one year, but it's like Bo Jackson changed every like Bo Jackson being the guy who was the star of the early die era. It changed everything for Auburn football. There are some parallels there right now. You've got a coach who, as you mentioned, and as these quotes allude to, wants to play very openly a physical running first style of football, which of course in that era that was obviously what Die did. But also Die having coached for Bear Bryant was coming up against the behemoth Mm -hmm. and had to convince people, including, I think, Auburn people, that they didn't have to view themselves as second rate or that, you know, Auburn was capable of competing with Alabama. And oddly enough, Malzahn was able to do that. But I think that that needs to be expanded to not just Alabama, but to its other rivals. And so there are some interesting parallels about the way that Harson seems to be establishing the perception of the program and also what it is he's coming up against in the behemoth of the Nick Saban era. And, and I think one of the things is that uh, in the SEC edition of this magazine, there's a few more quotes in there. One of them was, it was like, everybody has this thought process that Brian Harson coming from Boise, the way they the, their reputation in the past is like, oh, they're going to be trick plays, you know, throw it all over the yard, you know, kind of weird stuff. It's like, he's like, no, they want to kind of kick your teeth in on, on the line of scrimmage. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that's one of the interesting things. I think about it is that you see Boise State and you see the blue turf and you see the gimmicks and you see all the stuff to try to get attention out there because they're in freaking Idaho, right? And they had to the embrace the, they, they had no, to embrace no disrespect the, to the good people of Idaho. The underdog role. Yeah. Because they often were, especially on like Dude, the national scene Boise's, when they were playing teams out of their conference. Boise State was like a junior college like 20, 30 years ago. Don't quote me on that. But it was like maybe a little bit more than that. But like they were not – you know they've made a pretty big jump. They they are not a program with a lot of. They're not even a small program with a lot of history. They're not like you know, point to you know Georgia Southern. You know how Georgia Southern was FCS powerhouse when it was back it was one double A. Boise State was not that. Now modern, they're one of the more influential teams in modern football, especially at the the non power five level. Um, but yeah, it's this this mentality. It's like when we talk about. Yeah, Tank Bigsby and Sean Shavers are going to get opportunities to do what they do best, which is try to run through people. Um, it's going to be that downhill, hard-nosed kind of style. And there is going to be a shift. There's going to be a culture. And there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be absolutely be a learning curve in that because I think Auburn is adjusting. Like this coach says, outside zone, doing doing some of the stuff where you where you hit, hit the edge is more of a speed, finesse-oriented team. Now, we know there were times especially 13, where Gus could get real smash mouth and, and that offense could really work that way. But this is going to be different. I mean, they're putting fullbacks on the field. They're putting multiple tight ends on the field. They're going out of formation. They're doing stuff that we have not seen since the Tupperville era at Auburn. And whether or not that's the key to making it all work in 2021 in college football, I don't know. But I do see this. I'm talking about Brian Harson having a pro mentality, having an NFL style for a guy who was not an NFL coach and has never been an NFL coach. I look at some of the very effective offenses that we've seen in the NFL over the last few years and that identity and that style. I look at the San Francisco 49ers when they made it to the Super Bowl. I look at the, I look at the uh, Los Angeles Rams when they, went to the, when they went to the Super Bowl. It's that, you know, not being afraid to go under center, not being afraid to you know, play smash-mouth football, but doing some creative things with your, with your passing concepts and not having to be, you know, not having to be every every snap we're taking is out of the shotgun and and we're throwing it within two or three seconds because their quarterback's 45 years old um you know they do different things it's that quote-unquote pro style that looks different and i think that is what auburn needs to kind of bend towards like this is what the new thing is whereas you see alabama you see a lot of schools across the country they have sold out to the spread it out throw it all around thing. And, and Bama still has pro style elements to their game. They can make your life miserable because they're really, really good at it. Um, but Auburn's going to go in a different direction. Is that enough? Hmm, I don't know. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see if it is enough. 
To my earlier point about Auburn fans wanting to see a distinction between the Harson and Malzahn era, and of course Malzahn to an extent wearing out his welcome, I no, we don't know what this new strategy and, and offensive and defensive philosophy will amount to if it's going to work for Harson to any greater degree than what Malzahn was able to do, which was usually somewhere around four losses. Mm. But I think Auburn fans will be pleased that there will simply be a different style of football being played. And there was a certain element of stubbornness to Gus's play calling that I think was frustrating for Auburn fans and sometimes Mm -hmm. head-scratching. And I think Auburn may not execute well at times under Harson, or maybe they won't have the talent to compete against its rivals. And so ultimately, maybe maybe it doesn't make much of a difference. But I think there will be, at least in the beginning, the losses, if they rack up, then this will become a, a moot point. But I think at least in the beginning, there will be a refreshing element to being like, well, that didn't work, but I understand why it, it is the work. coaching staff tried to do that. Right, and it could work if you keep at it. One of those kind of things. Uh, last quote here uh, from the Athlon preview uh, of the National Preview. It says, quote, Derek Mason's defense is going to be interesting, and it may have to carry him early on because they dump in all that shift and motion stuff. That offense is used to looking at a single play card. It might be a tough learning curve. What is it going to look like at a, at a place where he has a better defense than he ever did at Vanderbilt or Stanford? Do they simplify? What does their base defense look like? That's the most important thing for them until they can bring that offense along. Yeah, they're talking about the shifts, the motion, all that stuff. Another element of, of really effective NFL offenses that we've seen uh, recently. And where Auburn did some motion stuff, but it was it's not quite to the extent that I think we're going to see under Brian Harson and Mike Bobo. This coach is both giving credit to Mason knowing how successful he's been at other places, but also – seems to be hesitant about how quickly the defense will be able to transition from what appears to be a more complex scheme. Mm-hmm. Do they simplify early on? What was that base look like? Auburn is one of the simple ones. Auburn is used to running four down fronts. Is that four, two, five look we saw this year where you have two down linemen or in the spring where you saw two down linemen, two guys standing up on the edge two two linebackers and five defensive backs. That is, close to what Auburn ran out of it as its base under Kevin Steele. It's just that other defensive end standing up um, more often than not. And it's a style that they even ran a few times in certain packages under under Kevin Steele, and it worked. I mean, there were times where you saw even Derrick Brown standing up because it's just manipulating matchups and, and all that stuff. Yeah, that that is that's a curious thought because I thought, from my perspective – and they were going up against Auburn's offense, which is in the midst of a grand overhaul. I thought the defense in the spring looked really good. I thought they looked better than I thought they would because it seemed like this new defense clicks. Like, we've mentioned it before. Colby Wooden is perfect for this defense. Like, this three-man front thing that they're going to run and kick him on the inside and certain on you know on, on, on third downs and when they rush the passer, that's perfect for him. I think Derek Hall is better as an outside linebacker type of player. I think... T.D. Moultrie could be better as outside linebacker. I think if you build a defense like this one where you're trying to funnel everything into Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean, that's really smart because those guys are really, really good. Yeah, in this first year, I don't think there's a lot of question marks on the defense. You feel really good about your linebacker group, and I think you feel good about the secondary. The question mark probably is somewhere along the defensive line. Where does that pass rush come from? But at the end... Which is is something I'm, I'm... going to write this week possibly by the time this is out you already have a newsletter out on it yeah that's my ultimate question and so like there's all these questions about the offenses how it'll look how good the line will be does Bo Nix take a step forward how does that youth at wide receiver come together Mm -hmm. whereas you've really I think just got one or two questions on the defense like you said your pass rusher and then how does that safety position play out but I think the talent at safety now looks to be pretty shored up as well as yeah. there seems to be better depth there. So I, mm-hmm. to me, the defense is like a... There's a lot of mix and match too that I think is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager. This this coach is kind of seems hesitant to like really commit to saying it's going to be a good defense in year one, but I think obviously the pieces are in place for Auburn to, as I think it's the opinion of this show, have one of the top 20 or 15 defenses in the entire country. For sure, and I think one of the things there for, um, you know, I, I think one of the things there that you get with Auburn is that these coaches, these guys who've been inside that are in the industry, they kind of see it as like, yeah, it might be a, 
might be a little bit of a learning curve early on. It might be maybe not a year zero, but maybe a year 0.5 or 0.75. Like there's going to be an adjustment, especially after all the weirdness that, that happened with COVID and not having really going full blast until right now in recruiting and, you know, really won't be able to go to super, super full blast, I think, until fall camp with what, you know, everything you got to do with that. So anyway, uh, we will switch gears here to, to basketball here in a moment, but uh, I, thought, I thought those were interesting and very illuminating quotes from, from coaches around the league, what they think about Auburn. And, uh, you know, no one really denigrating anything w- w- with Auburn or the players. It's all about scheme, and it's like, will it work? I think they, I think they have the same opinion that everybody else has. they got to recruit to, ma- to make it all work, and it might be a big adjustment early on. I'm there. I'm with you. All righty. Um, do you want to you want to tell the folks at home how they can uh, continue to support us? We've got a uh, we've got a big number coming up here. Big yeah. number coming up here. Rate, review, and subscribe, folks. You can support the podcast, of course, by subscribing, getting all of Ferg's stories sent to your inbox, and then also, of course, you'll get the extra podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Yep, we are knocking on the door of. 750 subscribers as we talked about the other day on the on the pre, on the premium podcast which we appreciate all you guys for for uh, supporting us rate and review and subscribe if you review and say nice things uh, about about <laughs> us we will read them on the podcast we're not we're not above that we're not above that uh this is from our guy auburn elvis a uh, longtime commenter um you know a, a longtime commenter uh and supporter of the observer he says, uh, solid Auburn football men's basketball progress. Ferg's knowledge and breakdown of uh, Auburn football men's basketball are great. Uh, he legit knows how to explain the details of personnel schemes. So you'll sound more intelligent talking SEC football or men's basketball with your friends at the office or the tailgate. And Auburn Elvis created the account, his account, to make the review. Um, he's still he's still wanting to he's still wanting that equestrian coverage. I don't, I don't think he's going to get that <laughs> here. But uh, you know what? Props for being um, committed to uh, to 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 make it happen i will say this um we appreciate that though appreciate the review very kind and uh and uh, always appreciate Aaron ellis's questions in the mailbag and uh his support of the podcast and what we do uh yeah so appreciate appreciate all that auburnreserver.com remember sign up if you want to get the premium podcast you get one of those in the midweek this week it'll probably be on wednesday thereabouts you get all of the uh, all of the newsletters sent straight to your email inbox. It's just that easy. And uh, we'll be lining up some more uh, interview podcasts, hopefully, uh, within the next few weeks. Um, Painters, Painter, we've got one in mind. We've got a couple others we're going to try to line up as well, uh, some fun ones here in the next few weeks as we try to make the slow march towards uh, towards uh, fall camp and uh and and well sec media days here coming up in, in a little over a month i guess we're less than 100 days right from less the, than 100 uh, days season so i see people counting it down i don't know what the day is that we're on now but somewhere in the 90s oh lord yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be get we're gonna be getting ready for that um wonder how akron's gonna fare in that environment uh white out by the way uh, that was something that was announced always get disappointed with the white outs at auburn i mean i yeah, guess everybody I'm, just commit commit to it like, if you're going to do it, commit to it. I know it's easier to do the orange, and it's probably easier to do the blue for you. But white, I mean, come on. The white looks really good, obviously. And it's going to be a State, night game. Yeah, I mean, Penn State has convinced me that there's no better way. Right. Like, obviously, they do it the best, because and I the, think that they would throw you out of the stadium if you did not do what you were supposed I'll also to do. Say, I'll also say early September, it's still going to be blazing hot. So white will not be a bad color to wear uh, for your game day attire, I would say. Um, so I, I, I think I think that's pretty smart. And also, I think Pablo Escobar for this is like they're gonna have to try to like push to sell some more white stuff because I think there's some Auburn people who just don't have it. Right, yet. right. Um, you know, white shirts and stuff like that. If you would like a white shirt or stuff like that, uh, here's a free advertisement. Shout out Connor. Hello, Connor. Homefield Apparel's got a few of them. Go over there uh, if you haven't ordered there before. Homefieldapparel.com. The promo code is Observer uh, for your first story. Get your white shirt from Homefield. Commit. Let's do this right. Let's do this right. One more time, that promo code? Observer. Perfect. 20% off. Get yourself get, a get Go ahead and get shirt. that white t-shirt. Let me, let, me pull, let me go ahead and pull this up. Let me pull this up. I want to go, go ahead and make sure I got it right. 
so you go to go to home field apparel you just hit the shop thing drop down auburn there's a few of them here that you can choose from there is an auburn uh there's several white shirts uh here there is a home field uh albie basketball uh you, you like there's a there's a baseball tee that's that's white uh that's got the old alabama polytechnic institute on it uh painter i know you have this one uh the white shirt it's like almost a lighter gray it could pass as white extremely it's got the, comfortable it's got the old a with the eagle flying through it that's a good one it's a great shirt thank yeah. you for that so you've got plenty of time to, to jump on that you want to talk basketball now let's do it Let's talk basketball, and we're going to talk basketball. We'll start off with the news there. JT Thor, as expected, is Alas. staying in the NBA draft. Um, so it turns out that Instagram post was just a post about just JT the, Thor. They're just hyping just the man up. Showing their guy some love. Bruce Pearl saying that he thinks JT is going to be a steal in the draft. I tend to agree. Um, I think if you're late first and you're like wanting to be like the galaxy brain pick to that people are going to be like, man, how'd this dude... Have this dude fall, you know. I think he might be the pick. Second round, more, probably more likely for him. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he lands in the first round. But who yeah, knows, man? Yeah, I, I mean, this is. I think if he goes full blast and like gets in front of scouts, I mean, what is there not to like about this dude? He's very young for his class. He's six ten. What's his wingspan? Uh, we we looked it up one time and it, it got measured when he was young and it was like Giannis's wingspan. Like it's like he has Giannis dimensions, um, so I want to say like seven two, seven three, something some, something like that wingspan. I don't know, I don't know if he's gotten it measured a little bit more accurately. Like go to the combine, man, like and see what he's what he what he's. NBA Draft dot net claims that it's seven and a half, seven and a half, seven feet point five, seven feet point five. Okay, well, it's not little... really the best way to word that, but also I don't <laughs> seven and a half. I was like, dad gum. Um, okay, but see, in other places, saying seven three. So we'll just. Yeah. I'm sure we'll find out. At we'll some find point out in the next few point. weeks. Well, like we. All right. Remember the Kentucky game last year where he just couldn't miss from deep. Uh, he is capable of fully taking over a game. I thought his defense when he got when he knew where he was going and he was plugged into the scheme and the in the system on defense, he became a terror. Uh, he was one of Auburn's best players. In fact, if not the best defensive rating on the team last season, a lot of a lot of blocks, a lot of steals, especially towards the end as he got it going. And Auburn's defense wasn't great as a whole, but this dude's got it, man. And I think somebody, I think some team's just going to fall in love with him and say, "My God, look at all of those <laughs> measurables, and look at all, and, and he's young, man. You can, you're giving me a six foot ten player that if if I want him to bulk up and be a true power forward." You can do that. If I want him to stay skinny and be a matchup be a nightmare in the wing, three, right. you could do that as well. And so he's like, hey, he's like a creative player that I think some NBA teams gonna do gonna be able to jump on and say, I mean, he's still he's still a long way away from his peak because he should have been in high school this year, right? So like, I mean, he's a long way from his peak, and you get to you get to have control of his prime development years, and I think that's I think that's gonna get people's attention. So. Shout out to JT. I know a lot of Auburn fans wanted to see him back. Obviously, um, I think we're I think in a agreement. Lot of Auburn fans are going to be are going to be excited to watch where he go, where he ends up. I think we're in agreement on this that that scholarship's just going to get handed out to a walk on at this point. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, that last scholarship spot is like, I I I. You think, don't need the 13th person unless there's just someone that comes available. That you I, think unless you can't. it's like some like random, really raw prospect that. Um, reclassifies or something like that, and you're like, man, if we can go ahead and snack him right now and kind of get that extra steal that year from him, maybe. But even still, man, like it's gonna be hard enough to find find you know good playing time for all these. You don't teams, really yeah. need it. No, I say, you know, my my opinion, and I'm not. I'm a gonna, coach, I'm gonna assume never, it's going to Lior. Yeah, I, mean, I would say that 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 to me seems like a Lior Berman. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks for two. Thanks for stepping in huge for us at several points last season. Or you know, I like that too. It's like if you're giving me 13 scholarships, I'm not playing 13. I still think it would be a good incentive if I was a college basketball coach to have a really competitive walk-on program and be like, look, if you become a, a valuable member as yeah. a walk-on and you contribute for a couple of years, you will get a scholarship at some yeah, point. We will we will pay for your school. And we, I think you've seen Auburn. It. You know, there have been some guys recently that have either transferred out because they were capable of playing somewhere else, or mm-hmm. they stuck around, but they could have played at a smaller school if you right. will a, a you know not a power five program perhaps but 
Instead, they get to be a part of a winning program. And it's and, like, uh, all know, right, that's a win decent, for everybody. Auburn's got some decent production out of their walk-ons. I mean, Leo Merman stepped into some big spots for Auburn last year during the guard meltdown of, of injuries <laughs> and, 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 and eligibility. Um, I mean, but, yeah, everybody remembers everybody remembers Pat Kime ripping. Uh, ripping wasn't a foul. Texas. It was not a foul. No, it, it was 100% not a foul. But, I mean, like, there was that stretch. There was that stretch where Miles Parker looked really good in non-conference, and so that's always fun. You get to see that, and 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 it's fun for the fans, and it's fun for the players as well. But uh, yeah, I think there's a way in which you can use your walk-ons as a valuable part of the roster, even though you don't expect them to contribute in in a meaningful way in the games. I think that is a good move if Bruce opts to go that way. I certainly don't imagine that they need to add another spot. At this point, the team already looks ridiculously deep. Like, what does this season look like for Cambridge? You know, a guy that has contributed heavily, and I think will continue I to think, contribute. I, yeah, I think he's your set. I think he's your number two at the three. Yeah, right? and it's and really you can't the, kick to the two if you need him. Mm-hmm, and I guess it's the only position where you don't have an outrageous amount of depth because the front court is loaded, and now they've loaded up on guards. But I also wonder about Stretch and Chris Moore and where this roster sort of leaves them because they both have strengths and like Moore was extremely productive in small amounts of minutes, but I don't necessarily see his minutes total going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, it, it's going to be wild to watch, I think. And, and, and I don't, uh, I don't really, uh, I don't really envy Bruce Pearl and having to, having to sort all that out. Um, what do you think about Sharif? I haven't heard much about him in the last few weeks. Well, Sharif Cooper signed a deal with Adidas. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I Paper. don't know if there's ever been an Auburn basketball player who's ever signed a deal with Adidas. I was looking back. Chuck, famously, Nike uh, Nike player. A lot of those dudes have been Nike. I think the rookies that Auburn, or the young guys they've had in the league, have all worn Nike shoes. Like, nobody has been an Adidas uh, test thing. And so, really interesting. Um, Adidas low-key with some nice... Uh... A nice they aesthetic. do a good job with basketball stuff and basketball shoes specifically. Um, I was I jealous. Think their football of like, uniforms are terrible, but I was jealous of the giant pile of clothes that they gave him to pose with. But uh, yes, good for Sharif getting some of that paper. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's yeah, he's he, he's going to get that deal. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, but I think Pablo Escobar pointing out on Twitter to me the other day, Friday, when he announced that deal. Uh, Sharif Cooper, big fan of Damian Lillard. Dame is uh, one of Adidas' biggest, if not the biggest, uh, guy they've got right now. Um, speaking of speaking of uh, that, there was a question in the mailbag this week about Sharif and the Suns. I'm very curious to see what the CP3 deal ends up being because it sounds like CP3 is going to try to get one more big payday before he he wraps up. He's not going to sign that giant one year option with the with the Suns. Um, Again, I'm still thinking that some of those teams, those playoff teams that you look at that either have old point guards or not superstar point guards, but have some really good pieces around them, like the Lakers, like the Clippers. The Suns would make sense if, if CP3 is not there anymore. I think that's where... Any of those be. three teams would be phenomenal, wildly exciting. I mean, you could... Uh, let me think. You could put him in... Um, you could put him in Denver? Question mark? Uh, Denver's got Jamal Murray that I think he's mostly playing at two still, and you've got Jokic who is basically your point guard. But you put him there with that. I mean, there's some there's some weapons there. If Michael Porter Jr. is a guy that can that can kind Michael of Michael Porter Jr. Um, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see where all that where all that winds up. I'm also not to go too far into NBA talk. I'm also very fascinated to see what happens in Portland because, yeah. Uh, they tried again, and it's it's just not working. And like Damian Lillard has been very loyal to Portland, um, but like they finally got rid of Terry Stotts. Uh, Terry Stotts is a good coach. They just were kind of stagnant under him. Uh, by the way, Chumo Kiki is going to get a new coach. Uh, the Magic uh, parting ways with Steve Clifford. Um, so we'll, we'll be. I'll be very curious to see who they end up getting him because whoever that next hire is going to be very very crucial to his development down there in Orlando. Um, more on basketball, buddy. Bruce Pearl is doing the thing again. Um, this past weekend, visits, official visits. Here you go. Auburn had four guys on official visits. They were, in the class of 2022, the number 7, 13, 17, and 25 <laughs> players in America. That's three five-stars 
and one extremely high four-star in Nick Smith, who is just so happens to be the number two shooting guard in America uh, as, as a high, high four-star. Zion Cruz, a combo guard, 6'5", 175, from the Patrick School in Hillside, New Jersey, um, has Auburn as his leader, uh, according to uh, according to the recruiting reporters that were there this weekend, um, reporting on that. Uh, also making visits this weekend, Brandon Miller from Antioch, Tennessee, uh, 6'8", 200-pound small forward, number 13 player in the country, as I mentioned. And then IMG's Jerace, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Walker, 6'8", 220, number 7 player in the country, uh, was on his official visit this weekend to Auburn. Bruce Pearl is just, I mean, the funny thing is, is they had all those visits this weekend. Ain't a one of those kids from Georgia. That was what was funny to me. It's like, they're going to go clean up in Georgia. But like that first big official visit weekend, it's like Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee, New Jersey. Um, So there's been a lot of turnover on most of Pearl's teams, as you documented. And it's like, all right, I can see Jabari potentially just being here one season. It seems like Allen could also be gone after this year. Mm Mm-hmm maybe Kessler question mark. Uh, and then, you know, I think there, like most seasons, there will just be a few guys who transfer away. Have you done the math? Do you know, is there a ballpark of, of what you imagine they're trying, the, the amount of guys they want to sign in this upcoming class? Because I mean, they've got a decent amount of experience, but not uh, a ton of seniors on this team. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, their seniors next season, they, they don't have any. They're not going to have any. Like, nobody is going to be... I guess Zepp still has two years of eligibility, right? Well, yeah, I, I guess Zepp Zep and Desi... Uh, I was saying to the guys coming back. So, yeah, think about it, think about it that way. Zepp and Desi are seniors. Let me clarify there. Zepp and Desi are seniors as transfers. Um, you got one year left for both of those guys. And I think they could pl- play a free year. I don't know how all that shakes out. Um, I have to go back and remember. But, like, none of the dudes coming back on the team are seniors. Flanagan will be a junior. Jalen Williams will be a junior. Devin Cambridge will be a junior. Uh, Dylan Carwell will be a sophomore. Stretch will be a junior. Chris Moore will be a sophomore. Walker Kessler is a sophomore this year. And, like, who knows? I mean, Walker Kessler, Walker, Walker Kessler could blow up this next year and be heading to the NBA. I think almost everybody thinks Jabari Smith's not going to be around for <laughs> longer than a year. Um, and then you got Wendell Green, who has got three years of eligibility left as well. So, like, yeah, I mean, I feel very confident saying I would be surprised if like two or th- I would say two at the minimum guys go guys leave this team next year and go to the NBA because I think you've got a wide list of options whether it's Flanagan, it's like, all right, Jabari, you Jabari can probably plus. pencil him in, and it's like some version of Allen or Walker. Yeah, or I mean, yeah, and uh, who, who knows? Like uh, on top of it, so like yeah, you could probably say three, four. Because I imagine, I think that's where you're going to ballpark it, and right. then if you lose, they're going to be active on the transfer market. I think they'll they will continue to be active on the transfer market as well. But um, that's why they're swinging so high with some of these guys. Like, yeah, go get the one and done dudes um, if you if you can go get them. Um, so I, 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 it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch. But as we said, like this this team has got the potential to blow all the way up this year, and and how good they can be. Um, how effective they can be on, uh, you know, the uh, on both ends of the floor, the mix of skill, experience, and then the fact that like <laughs> they had a visit weekend. And it was just like, all right, all you five stars, come on down. I mean, that's that's rare. That is that is rare air for a college basketball program, especially now that I think we're about to see a great. I don't know if it's a shuffling, but I think we're going to we're, we're about to hit some really interesting years in college basketball um, because the veterans of the sport, the veteran coaches of the sport, are stepping away. Coach K is going to be done after this year. What John Shire? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say anything bad about John Shire, but John Shire's never coached before. He's never been a head coach before, and now he's got to step into follow a, a legend at one of the biggest programs in America. We're seeing the same thing happening at North Carolina. You know how much time. Does Izzo, Izzo have left? How much time does Bill Self have left? So when that happens, who is going to step into that vacuum? And I think, to be very honest with you, and you guys talked about it last week on, on the podcast, I think there are a number of SEC teams that can step up and like say, hey, kid from Georgia, kid from Florida, um, and we've seen five stars come out from Alabama and Tennessee as well. Hey, you guys don't have to go to Blue Blood X several states away you can just stay right here in the SEC because we are a basketball conference. 
And I think Auburn's going to be uh, be at the forefront of that. We're already seeing Tennessee and Alabama do it as well. Arkansas, Alabama. LSU. Like, they're all going to compete for conference right. titles. Florida, is, and Florida should be able to do it, but, like, I don't know anybody that knows what's going on there with Mike White. Did I see or did we discuss that he got an extension? Oh, really? I'm not sure if I'm making that up. Let me up. make sure that I'm not completely pulling that out of my... Yeah, he just he just signed so a two-year it's like, deal. All right, wow. I was a little bit perplexed by that. Huh? So they extended him at the same time they extended uh, Mullen. Mullen just got a new deal at, at Florida. Interesting, because most, they feel very most much Florida like fans they, I know do feel not like stagnant. Them. They're not bad. It's no. just they're not competing in, in a program and their but fans. This is a team that won back-to-back national. Yeah, championships. Their, their their program got used to competing with Kentucky. And now, at the moment, I, I would put Kentucky and Auburn and, uh-huh. to some extent, probably LSU. Certainly, it seems like Arkansas and Alabama are in better positions than Florida right now. Yeah. And it's been that way for a couple of seasons in some form or fashion. But uh, I'm not complaining. Good for Mike White. Get your paper. Yeah, get your paper, man. All right. We are, uh, we are over an hour here at this point, so we are going to chop it off right here. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate the uh, you guys staying up. For those of you who did to to listen to it on Sunday night, um, yeah, we just had some scheduling conflicts uh, today that needed to get sorted out, and uh, we appreciate the patience. Hope you guys are uh, hope you guys and, and girls out there are doing well. And uh, yeah, I think the exciting thing we we talked about it in the midweek podcast. Yeah, I went to a Braves game this past weekend as well. On top of that brother a sellout crowd in a big stadium again that was that was wild that was wild to be in that mix mix again so i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it jordan hair poor akron because night game first game back first game of a new era that place is gonna be loud and akron is bad that is a bad football team now i say that and they might scare auburn's scare the daylights out of auburn this year but a bad football team and they're just gonna have to it's <laughs> gonna have to hang in there um, people are, i know a lot of y'all are gonna be nuts about it father's day two weeks away mm-hmm. just get ready get ready hey and as we've talked about with the, with dan peck uh he, it's the dan peck idea we're two weeks away from father's day if your dad or your granddad or an adult male in your life that's been very influential uh loves auburn give him a subscription send him our way Give them, send them our way. Get as you say, gift subscriptions. If you subscribe already, you can find um, a link to give a gift subscription. A lot of you have been doing that recently. We appreciate that. As I've said on the other podcast recently, my grandfather, seventy-five years old, he has never had an easier time reading my stuff since I started this because it goes straight to his email and he reads every one of his emails. So. Has he got the large print on his phone? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I hate this chair. Large print on the phone, large print on the uh, large print on the, uh, the the iPad, the the tablet. I mean, he's a big tablet guy. Never been a tablet guy. Never been able to get into those. I like to have the little thing on the back of it that you can like form little into a triangle. Hand. Yeah, and like prop it up. It's good stuff. All right, that will do it for this edition of the Auburn Observer podcast. Painter, final thoughts. Keep it up, Brian. <laughs>